That's a dreadful ball and Chelsea could be in here with Goff who goes for goal and scores! Finds the back of the net! Henri! What a goal! Inspiration for Arsenal from Thierry Henri! Miller, lovely cushion header for The Ghost Goal Podcast. Welcome back to the Ghost Goal Podcast. Liverpool's undefeated run is officially over after a 3-0 defeat at Watford. Manchester City picked up another piece of silverware, their third consecutive Carabao Cup, but I believe the fourth that a mainstay of the team has won. Chelsea got a draw against Bournemouth, a whole bunch of teams were off, and Tottenham lost to Wolves in a wild game, which we did kind of predict here on the Ghost Gold Podcast. We're back. I'm Andrew Passaro. We got Alex Moss along for the ride. You'll hear from Javier a little bit later in the podcast. Alex, how are we doing after this Chelsea victory in a Ghost Gold Bowl earlier today in the FA Cup? Uh, I'm not counting it as a full victory. It's the FA Cup. You guys obviously have your sights set mainly elsewhere. Uh, yeah, you're obviously in a bit of a uh, a lull right now in between the next match that really matters. Right, save it for later. So, you know, I can't I can't take it with the same sort of weight that I would have if we uh if we'd beaten you guys in the league at Stanford Bridge or uh or I would if we beat you guys at Anfield in a few months. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if that one happens. Uh we'll talk about Liverpool a little bit later in the podcast, but actually let's start with Chelsea, who kicked off the weekend early, uh, they had a 2-2 draw against Bournemouth. Alonso in the 33rd, uh, Lerma in the 54th, King in the 57th to take the lead for Bournemouth, and then Alonso saving it in the 85th. Of all players to save Chelsea, how shocked are you that it was Marcus Alonso? Right now, not at all. <laughs> like Alonso goes on these runs of like three to five games where he's just... He just gets hot. You just gotta, you just gotta ride him, and especially right now where Tammy Abraham's injured, Paul Sick is obviously injured. Hudson Odoi looks like Willian went off with a, an Achilles issue today versus Liverpool. So that's uh, many of our, our of our starting f- like front three that are pretty much out for the. the I, we don't even know how long like players like Tammy Abraham and Willian and. And Hudson Odoi and Pulisic are all going to be out for. We just know that they're injured and they haven't been playing. And we've been relying on pretty much everyone else to try and piece together something else. So Alonso gets the goal against Tottenham last week. That ends up being the winner. He gets sent off against Bayern Munich in midweek and plays pretty terribly. But then he comes back with a, a double here and saves us a point. Um, and he even had a chance right at the end to get a hat trick and just placed his header wide. So... Uh, it, all roads are all signs kind of point towards needing to stick to this this three four three you've seen uh, the last few games before that Liverpool win. So it's um, it, it, when your left back is your main goal threat. I can't say it's a position I would want to be in, but we're here, and you're kind of hoping that at least that doesn't dry up. Which you know I, I don't expect uh, too much, but. It's a real injury crisis at Chelsea now, and you're starting to see the effects of that transfer ban last uh, last summer. You know, we couldn't add any more to the squad, and we've brought in other players to uh, off of loans and from the academy to try and supplement what we can, but even they're starting to get injured now. So it's rough, but to get out of uh, Bournemouth with a point when we were losing 
uh, for most of the second half and uh, it's it, we've seen it go much worse so I can't I can't complain too much yeah it has I mean it was a, it was a point dropped it was two points dropped but at the same time uh, you got lucky with uh, Wolves dropping points Manchester United Wolves dropping drop points, points. Uh, well, well you're right Wolves took points Wolves took points that's right uh, and we'll talk about that and actually let's jump to Manchester United Everton the 1-1 draw highly controversial 1-1 draw uh, Calvert-Lewin scoring early in this one uh, Bruno Fernandez scoring a nice little goal in the 31st minute he is we talked about him last week doing great stuff for Manchester United but the big takeaway was the goal that didn't stand for Everton that would have given them all three points because a player in an offside position who was on the ground moving his leg ba- legs back and David De Gea and it going past David De Gea. Uh, the Everton fans claim that it should have been a goal as David De Gea was jumping the other way and the player didn't interfere in the, in, in the game. Uh, the a referee using VAR decides to pull the goal back. Honestly, I have no idea what to think about this. I think it was handled poorly. I do. Who was the player who was on the ground for Everton? I'm blanking on who it was at the moment. Um, it, yeah. the, I, I think it just. I think it's just the holdover effects of people getting used to these kinds of decisions at the, those moments in the game. Um, you know, maybe maybe in America we're like a little bit more used to big like video replay decisions in, in in moments like that that swing the game one way or the other right at the end but i don't know i still feel like there's this like feeling out process with english fans and like uh, like socially culturally their their reactions to things like this happening where in the moment everton were probably playing better and based off of the run of play i mean united had plenty of chances themselves but off the run of play overall, you'd think at home they would have had a better chance to push and get that winner. So when they finally seem like they get it, uh, it, it, it just feel to them it just feels wrong to have it taken away. You know, they they deserved that winner in their mind. And I don't actually fault them that much for having that like emotional reaction to it. But I think once you look back at it and you review the rule, uh, which is basically that if a player is in the line of sight of the goalkeeper and he's off. It's that basic, you know, there's nothing about moving out of the way and letting the ball go past you so you don't actually affect it. There's nothing like that. It's like, are you in the line of sight of the goalkeeper from where the ball is coming from? And the answer is pretty clearly yes to that. So the goal doesn't stand. I I had more problems. I think people should have more problems with Gilfie Sigurdsson, not just for not getting up after missing a sitter which people just kind of forget. He misses an absolute sitter yeah. that he puts straight at De Gea. It gets played back in and Calvert-Lewin's shot gets deflected. He has a whole, I'm guessing, like three to five seconds where he's just sitting on his ass right in front of the goal where he can just get up and either get back on side or at least get out of that position. And then that winner stands and there's no issue. So you got to have some foresight there. You know, he, Yeah, he hit, I would totally agree with you. Yeah, and it, yeah, it was, was more like lazy. throughout the game. I mean, he hit the, he hit the post with a free kick. Just the, I'm not the biggest Gilfie Sigurdsson fan. I, I think we've seen probably the best of him. He may he may come out and like bang yeah. an absolute screamer next week uh, against Chelsea just to screw me over. I don't care. Um, if he starts next week, then I'm uh, I'm I'm going to be pretty happy with that because they asked him or Ancelotti asked him to play in like a wide area and cut inside from from there. And you know you're probably better suited having a little bit bit more of a natural winger like Bernard in that position. So, um. 
yeah, turn your anger towards Sigurdsson. Don't don't get angry at Far for that one. Should Manchester United look at this game as we got a point or look at this game for we should have, you know, we scrapped a point when we should have lost or should Everton look at this game as a disappointing draw and United like being okay with it? Because from what I saw, I I thought like there were definitely moments where like United was doing okay, but that this Everton attacking force is kind of surprised. I mean, I know they only scored. And the one goal, goal was here, gifted but... to them. They, they 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 could have had way more. And in yeah. terms of Manchester United's chances, even their goal, I'm not gonna say it was soft, but you could say it was it was soft. We yeah, don't like the Everton keeper on this podcast. It's the kind of goal that Kepa would concede and everyone would freak out about. Doesn't seem that to be as many uh, boo birds out for Pickford. Maybe it's because De Gea had probably the worst goalkeeper gaffe of the season, which and probably one of the worst of his career, which is saying a lot. He had a good few last year that uh, obviously led to goals. So, to <laughs> I mean, people were saying he had options to pass the ball to in in his defense, and that he waited too long and. And Calvert-Lewin's able to close him down. Even if he had just booted it out of bounds for a corner or a uh, a throw-in, everyone would have been fuming with him. But that's a better result than it just being deflected straight off the one attacking player who's pressing you and going right in your, into the back of your net. And that's that's three minutes into the game, too. You liter- literally cannot have a worse start to a game than that. So United did well to dig themselves out of that hole, but... There's a couple chances like the Agallo chance later in the uh, second half that Pickford ends up making like an amazing save on two like amazing saves on that. Like both teams can feel pretty disappointed with themselves that they made mistakes that kept them from getting the three points, but can also be kind of happy that they didn't end up walking out of there like the unlucky ones with no points on the day. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's get over to. Tottenham's loss 2-3 against Wolves. We talked about it on this podcast about how these two teams, the home team has never won any of the four times they've played in the Premier League the last two years. And that continued here. Wolves get a 3-2 victory. Bergwijn getting the opener. Doherty scoring another in the 27th. Arier uh, in the 45th. Jota in the 57th. And Jimenez getting the winner in the 73rd. Wild game. Just best of the weekend. I mean, I guess for most people it would have been Watford. but Yeah, you said in the opening that we were right about this one. I mean, I guess we were. You called the fact that the away team has uh, been the only team to win this fixture. But I think we were saying that this is going to be a really boring one and a really defensive one, and it ends up being the game of the weekend with, I think, the most goals. Yeah, just just about the most goals of any other game. Uh, and two pretty memorable comebacks from from Wolves. I, I've got to admit, like I, I just kind of saw... Like Jose Mourinho team go up twice uh, in the first half, no less, uh, against Wolves. And I kind of just thought, yeah, maybe Wolves get back into this and get a draw. But for for them to absolutely just counter the tits off Tottenham in the second half, the the Jota run to set up the winner against uh, for Jimenez, he gets the ball just inside his half, does a little dink past I whoever the right back was. It must have been Aurier, but he just sort of dinks it like over his head and, and sets himself off on a, on a run into Tottenham's half. No one attempts to tackle him. They allow him to cut in on his right foot and go across the field, play a ball in behind for Jimenez, who turns the defender and, and scores easily. It's some of the worst defending from a top six side I've seen this season. And like, obviously Wolves are great on the counterattack, but 
you got to at least take a yellow card or something. You know, if you start feeling the momentum of two absolutely like rapid players like that, Jota and Jimenez bearing down on you, you just got to put a stop to it and not, not allow it to stop or not allow it to start. So, um, a lot of naivety from uh, Tottenham's defense there. And it was a big decision by Mourinho to leave Vertonghen and Alderweireld on the bench. She had, I think it was Tanganga and Dyer in, in in a back three. There was, I can't remember the exact lineup, but, you know, neither of the two really experienced Belgians uh, back there. That that certainly didn't help. So that was, that was a risk that... Definitely did not pay off for Mourinho. Yes, Sanchez, and- Dyer, and Tangangan in the back line with Arie and Davies as your wingbacks with a midfield of Winks and Los Celso, which... Which Arie played well. Yeah. I gotta, you got to give him credit for that. Or you scored a great goal right before halftime. Uh, it, it was important that the wingbacks play well with those mirroring uh, 3-4-3 or 3-5-2 uh, formations. Uh, th- those wide areas become so important to, to win when you're mirrored in, in those three at the back formations. And uh, I mean, Wolves ended up getting the better of it eventually, but for early stages of the game, uh, Aurier was one of the best players on the field. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right, let's jump and uh, I'll, you know, we'll address the elephant in the room. Liverpool lose. They failed to win their 19th straight Premier League game. Their undefeated season comes crashing to a close. Uh, Arsenal's Invisibles pop the champagne. Twitter has a whole field day with it. And then they followed up by losing 2-0 to Chelsea. So in like the matter of like four day, four or five days, they've given up five goals and haven't conceded, which certainly wasn't great. I'm not going to lie to you. I was in the movies with my dad for the Watford game. Had that spoiled halfway through, most of the way through the movie. And that was just the worst because I was just checking Twitter to figure out what the hell was going on while I was trying to watch the movie, which was not great. But uh, all good things must come to an end. And as I tweeted out, um, I think I, I tweeted, I had like a, a def- you know self-defense mode tweet that went out. It was along the lines of City got banned from the Champions League. Chelsea just lost to, to Bayern Munich hard in the Champions League. Arsenal are in ninth place. Manchester United's board can't get out of its own way. Things are just fine at the top. And I stand by that. But this is... Wow, man. So defensive. Yeah, this is the... Nothing like that Liverpool team on Saturday. Seriously. Well, <laughs> it, it was... Yeah. Dayon Lovren didn't have the best day at the park. Virgil van Dijk didn't have the best day at the park. And I'll say this. This is that dip of poor form that we have been calling. You know, not we. It can, certainly not me. But people have been calling for a dip of poor form. We saw it happen to last January. It's where Liverpool lost the title with all those draws to Leicester and West Ham. And it finally came. And now they've got to put their heads down and work their way out of this. And I have full confidence that they can do it. I think they are missing Jordan Henderson's leadership on the pitch. I do think that... I was about to say, is this the best... Uh proof that he should be player of the year premier league player of the year the the games that he's missing for liverpool look pretty much toothless in midfield yeah maybe i still don't think he is i think he's had a great season for him and i but i don't think he's had a good enough season for player of the year i think if i think that kevin de bruyne deserves it more than him but i i've like i said i i would go with trent personally I do think they're going to be fine. I'm not worried about blowing the title here. They've only got to win four more Premier League games. I just yeah, no, don't be worried about uh, the, the title at all. I do think they are missing. I think this shows that they do need to bring in players that they're not set at every position. Like, where has Jared and Shakiri been in you know these last couple games? Jared and Shakiri, let's not we forget, played the assist to to Wijnaldum to tie the game to to tie it three three against Barcelona. 
uh, he's been he's done nothing this year. We're bringing out Adam Lallana, who we all know is done for Liverpool. He's moving on after the season. He's going to end up at like Leicester or Burnley for for or a Newcastle. He's not going to end up at Leicester. <laughs> he, well, Brendan Rodgers loves him. People forget that. They do need to bring in players. This isn't, you know, but the other thing, too, it was impossible for this squad to keep doing it forever. Yes, it's surprising against Watford. And yes, everyone's taking shots at us because it's Watford. But the reality is, this Watford team has everything to play for. They need points. Like, they have to save themselves. This is completely forgivable. I think think it's all mostly just banter. I think everyone knows it's just banter. It's just... It seems kind of, I guess, like low-hanging fruit would be the term. Yeah. Beca- because, obviously, there are key injuries that you just mentioned with Henderson uh, and then with Lovren playing his first league game since, like, early December yeah, or something. Joe Gomez had some kind of slight knock, so Klopp rotated, and he wasn't, I guess, Lovren must have been outperforming Matip in, in practice. I, but he's got Yeah, go. I didn't mention... I didn't mention it at all during the the Chelsea recap, but Fikayo Tomori came back into the Premier League team for the first time since I think like mid December, which is two months now, and that's about a little bit longer of a of a period out for Lovren. And he's played like a few spot minutes here and there, but to have to get thrusted back into like a full ninety minutes of a Premier League game against a team that in both cases Tomori's and Lovren's against teams that are fighting off relegation are still very much a threat to them at this point of the season. Um, they targeted Bournemouth and Watford targeted those players and you know Deeney was able to body Lovren in the build up to I think it was uh, Sar's first goal uh, where it bounced like over 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 their head and and obviously a player like Ismail Sar, we've been waiting for a performance like this pretty much all season he's had good games here and there but we've seen him uh, for Ren in the, in the in the obviously the, the French League but also in the Europa League when they got a good result against Arsenal last year. He's a young player capable of making a leap to a club like Arsenal or like Liverpool or one of the very, very top clubs. And those players are going to show up and show out when uh, a big team like Liverpool comes to their home stadium. So Liverpool were on the the end of it this time. It seems more surprising than it actually is. Watford are a decently good side despite their, their Premier League place. And, uh, we had a little sign of life from them when Pearson first came in. They dro- dropped off a little bit, but now it looks like I, I feel pretty good about standing by them, even when they uh, fell back into the, the the bottom three. They're out of the bottom three. They're in 17th place on 27 points right now. Huge victory to Watford, and congrats to them. Honestly, like they they did it. You know, like the biggest concern to me is that. Liverpool seemed to have no answers after this, and they didn't. They created t- things at times in the Chelsea game. There was definitely moments, like there was that moment where Kepa had those three saves in a row in the first half. I don't know how much of the game you got to watch. Uh, I do, most of it. Yeah, it, they should have scored right there. Um, I don't. Not much after that. Yeah, though. not much after that. I am excited about minamino but i have yet to be convinced by him in a game that he's really played in so far for us i don't know if he's really like he's still adjusting to a new league new culture the whole thing and i think he'll be fine once he gets like a full clop off season i don't think he's really necessarily ready for the firmino role and he's not pacey enough i don't think for the way our forwards play i think he might be better in that midfield three kind of in like the oxide chamberlain role when he's been playing and 
he hasn't been given that opportunity. I, I know that some Liverpool fans are just going to absolutely you know shit on him right now because they're impatient. But uh, what Bill Shankly said still carries true. If you can't support us when we win or when we lose or draw, don't support us when we win. That's that goes out to all of you guys. So again, credit to Watford, credit to Chelsea. The worst part about the FA Cup run being over is that we're probably not going to get to see the kids until after the titles wrapped up. And like, I was excited to watch Nico Williams and Curtis Jones today. So, oh, so what? In like a few weeks? <laughs> I mean, we're talking now. Well, we'll get to the previews in a moment. Yeah, it's gonna. It's now delayed until the Manchester City game at the Etihad, unless they happen to drop points. Which, yeah, which would which is fun. I know it is fun. It, <laughs> but they are playing United next weekend, so they could yes. they could drop points well, this there. weekend. So, and speaking of Manchester City, they pick up their second piece of silverware this year. I'll give it to them. Uh, they get a 2-1 victory over Aston Villa. Aguero on the 20th, Rodri in the 30th, uh, Samada in the 41st. Aston Villa didn't go down without a fight, so credit to them. But fi- I, I got to be honest, I didn't watch like any of this. I watched Once a little I saw bit. They were up 2-0. Yeah. I was just like, oh, it's over. I mean, yeah, credit to Villa for not getting absolutely hammered like uh, like Watford did in the FA Cup final. But um, at the end of the day, it's. Uh, it's kind of a heartbreaker. Yeah. You, know, you, you hope for a club like Villa to get to win something, like actually win something, not get a promotion uh, win at Wembley, get some actual silverware. But yeah, City have just made this like an absolute priority, it seems. Well, it's maybe not priority. It, That's not the right word. Priority is not the right word. But when you're Phil Foden, when you're Riyad Mahrez, when you're either Jesus or Aguero, or you know, if you're one of those two strikers who isn't in the team all the time, right. you're using that com- competition as your springboard to get yourself back into the first team. Exactly. And you know what? The best part about this game for me was that Phil Foden got the start because that kid's very talented, and he's kind of stuck. I mean, Did you see the touch? I forget what point of the game it was, but it was just it was floating around on on Twitter on uh, Reddit. He got he got he had a ball played into him from like a, a big diagonal and just brought it down. It just like stuck like a magnet to his left foot, and he just immediately controlled it and then played a ball back across. It was those are the little things that you can just pick out from a young player that just make you go, oh wow, he can do that at this age just naturally. Uh, okay, yeah, <laughs> I'm interested. Okay, let's get to previews, and uh, then I'm going to actually bail out here. Javier is going to sub in for me. I did, you know, 60 minutes. My legs are getting tired. I scored my goal, got my assist, and uh, got my yellow card. So uh, it's time for me to bail off. It's because I ripped my shirt off, guys, to, to show off that six-pack. Uh, Liverpool-Bournemouth is the Andrew Pissarro. I hate my life. I have to get up at 7.30 game. We'll see if I actually wake up for it. Haven't decided what I'm doing on Friday yet. We'll figure it that one out when we get to it. Uh, I will say... This is where my bet of the week is coming. I'll give it at the end. I am confident that we can beat Bournemouth. They're not really in top-notch form. Neither have we. I think this game's going to be kind of gritty, kind of ugly. Liverpool trying to take advantage of the possession, which they will have because it's at Anfield. Bournemouth trying to score on some kind of counter or a set piece. I think this one's going to be low scoring. I'm hoping Naby Keita is back and ready to go for this. He always seems to cut up the cherries really well. We could use that, him being assertive in our midfield especially coming off this loss. But th- this is a must-win game for Liverpool. Like, I'm putting that tag on it. They don't need, you know, the, in the last four games... <laughs> this is not a must-win game. This is a must-win game. draw this game, no one cares. This is a must-win game, Alex, because <laughs> the last four <laughs> no, games... Listen, the last four Andrew, games... Andrew, I understand. I understand. You didn't lose a game for a year. I get it. Mm-hmm. You're not used to it. It sucks. It's fine. I hate it. 
no, no, no. Your problems aren't real problems. You sound like Mike Bloomberg right now. (laughs) (laughs) As a recently welcomed New Yorker. Would you say, would you call yourself a New Yorker now? Uh, Okay, I've been told you have to be in New York 10 years or get jumped until you're officially a New Yorker. (laughs) And I'm guessing the latter has not happened yet. Not yet. There was one like brief moment where I thought it was going to happen and it didn't happen. So I was pretty happy about that. So not a New Yorker yet, but... You know, I am getting a New York license. That's a, that's a big, it's a, it's a big slight in New York. I hear <laughs> to be compared to Bloomberg. So, um, yeah, you sound like, oh, woe was me. We lost a game after not losing for an entire year, and the only time we lost before that was to the eventual league champions away. Even that wasn't that bad of a loss. Like, calm down. You're not going to lose this game. You're, you're, you're not. You probably won't drop points in this game, but you never know. Uh, Bournemouth have to do all of their work in the 10 to 15, maybe even 20 minute period that they decide they're going to play and actually uh, keep it on the ground and pass it around a little bit. I, I think that's probably their biggest weapon is that they they, they, they swing so drastically between uh, being a, a counterattacking defensive team against the, the big sides uh, to all of a sudden just going through the gears for 10 to 15 minutes and trying to get all of their work done. That's what they basically did to Chelsea last week. And I, I think they know that at this point against a team like Chelsea, that's like a, a tried and true strategy against us because we just tend to fall asleep for those 10 to 15 minutes and and let teams walk over us. I, I doubt they'll have the same success with it uh, against you guys. It looked like Gomez was okay the, uh, earlier today mm-hmm. against Chelsea. Him and uh, Van Dyke. Uh, played together in a back two, but Robertson was play- Robertson's the player that needs a little bit of a rest. Yeah. He looked absolutely gassed for most of that game today, and Trent managed to get a rest with that Nico Williams kid coming in at right back. So, you know, some some rest around there. I feel like, like this is a game for Nabi Keita to come in and and score. Is he is he healthy? Uh, like he might be. There there was hopes that he was going to return from whatever little hamstring knock he had for this game. It's him or Ox needs to take this game by the by the by the you know uh grab it by the collar and just you know will it to victory i'm i'm thinking this is a 2-0 victory for liverpool which is why my bet of the week and i hate giving this bet it's the worst kind of bet especially for a game at 7 30 in the morning i'm going under two and a half goals in the game plus 158 you coward yeah i know <laughs> I know. I don't like it, Andrew, because I was I was gonna stay strong with the Salah fantasy captain, keep him with the armband at uh, Anfield this weekend. I'll tell you what, I would not I, do that. I'll look at my other players, but I, I usually would, just stick with Salah at home. I usually just say I, screw it. If if I keep it on Salah as the captain at home, it's gonna pay off for me more often than it doesn't. I get that. Uh, that's why I'm gonna take that and raise you, uh, whoever the hell Wolves is playing, and and. Put your money on Jota because he's on fire right now. So just just saying. En fuego. Yes, en fuego. All right. He's por- he's Portuguese. That doesn't work. Uh, the <laughs> it's probably the same, but I don't know. The last game of the weekend that we're going to look at is Manchester United taking on Manchester City. This is the Sunday twelve thirty game. Well, 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 don't say. Well, yeah, okay. You said last. Well, but I guess it's it the, the last, last that you and I are going to preview. It's the last game of the weekend. Yeah. Well, Javier and Alex are going to preview a couple more of these games. This is a huge. Probably even talk about this Manchester Derby a little yeah, bit. Yeah, probably. With Javier. To- this is a colossal game uh, for United, and I kind of think they're going to get played off the park. I know this is at Old Trafford. Hmm. Um, 
I don't think this Manchester United team is as good as their recent form has them. And I, I'm intrigued to see them play against like a good team. I know they had a good result against Manchester City earlier in the season. However, this Manchester City team is in great form no matter who's playing. I mean, they just got an away win at the, at the Bernabeu. They win the fine. They beat Aston Villa. But still, this team's in good form. I think there could be a good amount of goals in this game. Like I could see a three-one. I could see like a three-two. Man City is definitely exposable, especially when John Stones is playing. And I'm intrigued to see how Bruno Fernandez does against this Manchester City, you know, midfield, especially with, you know, Rodri not really filling in that role that uh, Fernandinho had locked down for so long, and Fernandinho being forced to play in the back four. But I, I don't. I think this could be a draw. I do think that City could win it. I do think that Manchester United could just get absolutely pushed around the park by City because I, I think City all in all are the better team. And look, the reality is I should be rooting for United in this game in any capacity to make City drop points because, you know... I just root for the draw. Yeah, but I don't think Manchester United are that good. I really don't. I, I, think, I think they're an okay squad that gets hot and cold and... I, like I'm sorry. Like look at some of the players that are going out there for Manchester United, and look at the squad that City has to play, even with guys who are injured, like with like Sane. This this should be a three nil Manchester City victory. Their defense doesn't say that it's. Going uh, to. I don't know about that. Their de- even the seasons that City have been going there and winning, uh, winning the league overall, and going to Old Trafford and winning, they usually win like two nil. I know. Something like that. Uh, I'm pretty certain it's going to be a draw. I'm pretty certain they're not going to cancel each other out. But, you know, it's well documented that all the things that United do well uh, on on the counterattack are perfectly matched to take advantage of City's deficiencies. Um, and then the only the only real question I have about how like the flow of the game is going to go is how well does that like diamond midfield we've seen United trot out? I think once or twice now. Uh, especially at Everton, with Matic at the base of it, uh, McTominay, Fred, and then Pereira at the tip of it, with Greenwood and and Martial up top. How does that play? Out? How does that play against uh, this Manchester City team? It doesn't really seem like it's got enough enough like width to it if you're going to defend deep with that. So maybe that was just a, a setup that Solskjaer would use for the Everton game. But uh, if he sticks with that against this Manchester City team, I'm. I'm not going to give them too much of a chance for the reasons I just mentioned. The the weird X factor in these games seems to be Jesse Lingard. I can't remember his stats in the first game when uh, United went and won at the Etihad. He didn't have a goal or I an do, assist. But. I, I do remember him being an absolute nuisance to City on the counterattack, uh, getting the ball on the half turn and then playing other uh, players like Rashford and Martial in behind and just being that link, almost like a... Uh, almost like a a 10 slash 8 midfielder who's willing to drift wide and to anywhere that there's space available. I'm not saying United should absolutely start him, but he does seem to have a a weirdly uh, positive effect on their team when they're they're in situations like this, when they're just clearly not the more talented team. So, you know, that's uh, that's one weapon I think City should look out for. But otherwise, like you said, they're they're on a decent run of form right now. They've obviously just gotten one of the biggest wins in their in their club's history at Real Madrid. 
uh, if they go and win at United and now it's like five or six games in a row winning, now you're starting to see the kind of momentum that City want to build to try and actually win the Champions League this year. Yep, and this is a huge clash for it. All right, appreciate uh, Alex hopping on for me here. You're going to hear more of him and Javier coming up next. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew Pissarro, at Coast Cold Pod, at ASMOS92. I'm sure Alex will plug that again, but uh, go ahead. And um, more coming up now. Thanks, Andrew. And welcome back to part two of this week's Coast Cold Podcast. Uh, Alex here again, uh, here with Javier. Had to get him on because of Arsenal's uh, very surprising Europa League uh, dropout. But we're first just going to stick with a little bit of Manchester Derby that you just heard me and Andrew uh, get done talking about. Um, but Javier, from my like sort of recollection of the, our conversation yesterday, uh, mine and Andrew's yesterday, I'm kind of thinking that this uh, this is a trap game for Manchester City. I know they've gone there and won a good few times over the last couple of years uh, at Old Trafford, but... I'm, I'm, I'm still thinking with the addition of Bruno Fernandes and maybe with the slight X factor of Jesse Lingard coming in and being like uh, the, what? the Since link. When is Jesse Lingard like an X factor? You'll, you'll hear it this later. In the counterattack, right he's like pivotal. He's pivotal for them on the counter against a team like Manchester City. Uh, that's the, the case I made. Like, how much of a chance do you give Manchester United? Uh, in this game. I mean, I, I give them more of a chance than. They've already w- gone twice to Manchester City this year and won. So I yeah, think one of those we don't count though. Yeah, but it's still it still is impressive that they've been able to do that twice this year. Um, they've also been able to beat Chelsea twice at Stamford Bridge, I think. Yeah, they've won twice there as well. So uh, regardless, this has been a team that's gotten big results this year. And I don't know, it kind of feels like they're a little bit of a bogey team for City. Like it just feels like they're now. I, I think Daniel James is an injury doubt. Anthony Martial is an injury doubt. So if those players aren't playing in this game, then I don't really give United much of a chance. But I think if they have a close to a, a, a full strength front line, um, obviously no Marcus Rashford, but you know they've been they've been really really lethal on the counterattack, and like you said, their midfielder Bruno Fernandez has uh, has improved vastly, and it looks like he's you know looking really good pulling the strings, and it's freed up someone like Fred to you know have a little bit more attacking movement, and you know defensively they've been. They're still wobbly all the time. They're wobbly. They're probably going to concede at least a couple of goals here. Um, but City have not been at their best lately, so I don't know. I'm. Uh, I don't know about that. They just had their best win of the season last week. Well, the one at Real Madrid. I don't know if that was. I mean, their, yeah, like, I get best. it. They're not like blowing teams off the right. Pitch, they're not blowing but, teams you know. off the pitch. That's all I mean. And they're like sometimes they've been struggling in some games, losing to teams that they shouldn't. But no, I agree. I mean, they did win the the Carabao Cup this weekend. They've just had a lot of games, so it's probably. I bet you some a lot of their players are fatigued or um, you know near some injury problems or nursing some injuries that um, you know maybe they're playing through. So uh, I'm gonna say Manchester City eke it out, um, but I think it could be like three two Manchester City. I I, I don't think that it's gonna be um, a low scoring game. I think that United are gonna give up some goals and I think City are too. So. Yeah, I think it should be a fun one. What do you think of the idea of... Obviously, they got that huge win at Real Madrid. They still have the second leg to play of that, I think, in about a week and a half or uh, two weeks. But it's coming up soon, and in between then, they'll have this game at Manchester United. And it was just announced, I think, yesterday that, that they've rescheduled that Arsenal-Manchester City game that was supposed to be last weekend, but got suspended or postponed due to the Carabao Cup final. They're, that's going to be played in midweek of next week. Do you think it's a good thing for Manchester City to be playing 
teams of this caliber, like in and around the same time that they're about to be playing Real Madrid, or do you think they would prefer uh, maybe a softer schedule? I'm sure they don't mind playing teams like this just to stay at like a high level, you know, because. Um, that's my thought too. Yeah, I mean, it's just, that's, it feels that was my like, thinking going into the Bayern game for Chelsea. Obviously, that didn't work out, but Man City are a much better team than us, so it, it could be a good thing for them, I think, to have like consistent challenges. So that's enough Manchester uh, Derby talk. United could pull off the upset, but I, I think most of us are leaning towards Manchester City uh, based off current form. Uh, let's jump to Arsenal, who this weekend are going to host West Ham. They've had a bit of a break, uh, break over the last. Uh, week or so. Uh, they did have that FA Cup game on Monday night at Portsmouth that they came out, what, 2-0 winners, was that? Yeah, we won 2-0 at Portsmouth. It was a pretty uh, easy win. Yeah, but but obviously before that, there was the very eventful second leg with Olympiacos that turned into something of a shit show. Um, so, I, yeah, our fir- good first for you guys loss to bounce in, back. Uh, in 2020, it was... Uh, a game where we had just so many chances, missed a lot of chances. Um, and in the end, I mean, just could have won it at the last second. Aubameyang had the final kick of the game, just, you know, four feet from the goal and missed. But it's hard to blame him because he also had a beautiful bicycle kick to put us ahead. So it, while it hurts that we're not in Europa, I feel like also if we were struggling to beat Olympiacos in this competition, like we probably weren't going to win it. And if we were, it's, it was going to take a lot out of us like it did last season. So... I kind of like that we can just focus domestically. We're not going to be traveling anymore this year and just like focus on the league because I still think we could make top four. Um, I think it's just the, the, the amount of points that everyone else keeps dropping is, uh, you know, is, is, is perfect for that. You know, Wolves beating Tottenham this weekend, you, you know, or last weekend, United dropping points, Chelsea dropping points. It, it seems to be every single week. So just a couple of wins and we're already, you know, coming back up the table and, you know, only a few points behind you guys now, so it's not. I don't think it's the biggest deal to uh, to be losing Europa right now, and um, I think we've bounced back I, decently I like from it's a, it. It's, it's a pretty big deal. Don't get me wrong; like it's 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 uh, it was it was a tough matchup. Obviously, Olympiacos were coming out of the Champions League group stage, so it wasn't one of the the easiest draws you guys could have got. But it was made more difficult by the fact that they are just so committed to being uh, defensive against you guys. And I know that happens a good amount in Europa League, but you'd like to think that if Arsenal had gotten out of this like first round, maybe they get matched up with someone closer to their level than Olympiacos, and it's a bit more of an open game, and you guys can kind of feast off of just uh, a more open two-legged tie like you did against Napoli and Valencia last year. So I, I still thought you guys were like pretty good favorites for uh, for winning the Europa League up there with uh, United and who else now? I guess Inter. Inter, now yeah. Or probably the, the other favorites, but it's kind of it's kind of wide open for anyone. And also, you just you, it would be nice to keep your options open if you're Arsenal, where you know obviously you are still surprisingly because I'm pretty sure I wrote Arsenal off completely in the league. Forget having any chance of getting into the top four, but I mean, mathematically, it's still perfectly possible. Um, they just need a lot of things to go their way in the league. And in case those things didn't go their way, Europa League was an option that was perfectly in your hands and you could control your own destiny with that. So I think it's dis- disappointing in that regard. But yeah, I mean, the, the West Ham game this weekend, I don't know if it presents that big of a difficulty. Obviously, West Ham just got like West their Ham first have kind win of been playing pretty well week. in the last couple of weeks. So. I don't yeah, think it's going to be an easy game. they went to Anfield and did well. I don't think it's going to be an easy game, but 
I think we should be able to take care of them just the way the, the style of play that we have. I just think that they don't play that well against teams that hold possession against them. So obviously they're... It's all about limiting your own mistakes when you do inevitably turn the ball over to them because they, they look pretty good on the counter against Southampton yeah, last week. I mean, they're like Haller Antonio uh, Fornals front line is... is With uh, Bowen, the whole city winger they signed. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah he scored Bowen. last week. Yeah, yeah. He looked pretty good too. Did you see Haller's Rabona? To uh, I think it was to Mikhail Antonio. Yeah, that, like was, that was pretty crazy. That played yeah. him in perfectly. That was really nice. I did see he that. Didn't finish it off. Um, uh, yeah, so he he's. He, he, I mean, it's one game, but they look like they kind of turned a corner there. Uh, but you know, this will either bring them right back down to earth and right back into the uh, prime position to get relegated, or it can be another step for West Ham to try and claw their way out because last week. I'm pretty sure they were relying on Liverpool to to keep Watford down there, and that didn't happen. So it was kind of like a lost week or a lost three points. So they need to. Yeah, the, re- the relegation battle is get getting something. pretty crazy. I mean, Norwich won as well. I mean, I know that they're six points off of Bournemouth and Watford right now, but they get another win in there, and it's just going to become crazy clustered. So um, I-, I can see this relegation fight going down to the wire. Um, I still think New Newca- everyone knew, like Newcastle down are in it. Um, Newcastle on 32 points, Southampton 34. I feel like Southampton are going to be safe. Palace just just won again last week. They're they're at 36 points. They're they're definitely going to get to 40 or more. So um, yeah, I think even Newcastle is probably going to be probably safe. probably. But, but they're they're ones that I could just see losing a bunch of games in a row and having really bad form to the end of the season. So um, I'm I'm I think we will be able to beat West Ham here and. Um, there was actually just news today that they rescheduled the Arsenal game, uh, the Manchester Manchester City Arsenal game that was blanked last game week. That's also that's been rescheduled for this game week, so that's going to be on Wednesday, March the 11th. So that's I think going to be the game that we're going to be looking more toward um, at Manchester City. See if we can get anything there because that um, that'll you know that'll be able to set the tone for the rest of the season if we could even get a draw out there. So yeah, I guess we could like quickly hit on that since we probably won't record again until uh, after that game's played. Sure, yeah, we can talk uh, about it. Next Wednesday, but that's obviously Arteta going back to his his uh, his cl- the Manchester City where he was assistant to Pep Guardiola for what, like the last three years? And obviously left that job to come to Arsenal. How much of the institutional knowledge that he brought from Manchester City to Arsenal do you think is going to be uh, used in a positive way to prepare you guys for that game? Do you give yourself like a better chance in it because I, I, of his knowledge I, of that I team? I would think so, um, and I would think he knows you know some weaknesses uh, about Manchester City. But it is true that we've been copying te- Pep's tactics pretty pretty similarly in our games. Um, the way that we play now and the way that we move the ball. And I don't know. I mean, the players are so much more confident now in, in the system and, and in their coach and what they're doing right now. But yeah, no, I just I, I, I think it's uh, I think it's going to be a, a close game because Pep knows like we usually get blown out by Manchester City like two or three nil. I, I don't think that'll be the case this time. So I, I don't think we're going to win. Obviously, um, I think a draw would even be a stretch. I, I'm pretty sure we're going to lose, but I could see us, you know, getting like a close, you know, two one loss or something there. So which would be a, yeah, which would be an improvement. Victory yeah, we could, which would be an improvement off of what we've usually been doing against City. So. Like a draw would be massive, and yeah, Aubameyang's on form. He's uh, he's playing really well in the league. He's, he's top joint top scorer with uh, Vardy and uh, I think Aguero now. Um, I think they're all in like seventeen. So 
But I've seen a lot of Arsenal fans complaining about Lacazette, about how he shouldn't be anywhere near the team right now. And that he hasn't been playing now... great. He's, his finishing hasn't been very good. And I mean, you can see why Eddie Nketiah is starting right now and, and Lacazette's not. Nketiah's finishing his chances right now and getting goals. So Martinelli, there's a lot of competition for strikers in the squad right now. So you can see why if someone's not getting goals and not taking advantage of uh, you know what they're doing. But I would think in a game like this, he'll be he'll be playing. Because you would think his pressing and what he can do off the ball is uh, is really important against someone like Manchester City. So, but I'm I'm really curious to yeah, see what type of lineups uh, he trots out in this. Even without Lacazette, if uh, Arteta does decide to bench him because of uh, form issues, I would. I mean, I like Inketia. That's uh, that's perfectly fine. I think he could do well against West Ham. But I don't see why he hasn't tried Aubameyang centrally more with Martinelli out in the wing and on the left wing and Pepe on the right. I agree. I do like that formation. That seems like the best way I, forward. I do also agree with that. Um, but it seems like he likes using the Inketia, Aubameyang, Pepe front line um, when he can to kind of rest his other players. But I, I don't know. I agree with you. Um, I was more of a fan of Martinelli, but I mean Arteta's doing yeah, well, well right see. now. He seems to know what he's yeah. what he's doing, so I'm trusting him. Yeah, we'll see uh, how he does. That uh, it remains a question whether Arsenal and plenty of other teams in sort of the same tier as Arsenal right now, whether they can consistently break down like defensive uh, low block teams like West Ham are sure to be under David Moyes. So uh, we'll we'll see we'll see how that goes. I'm interested to see how it plays out. Um, that's going to be during the 10 a.m. slot on Saturday, probably the standout game of that of that time frame. Uh, later on, on Saturday, at uh, 12.30 p.m., Burnley are going to host Tottenham. Burnley kind of have a, having a sneaky, not great run of form, but not losing too many games, drawing no, they've, they've, plenty. They've and- had a pretty great run of form, let's be honest here. They, uh, they went from in the relegation zone, us thinking they're going to get relegated to, they now have 38 points and are above Arsenal and right behind Sheffield United and Tottenham, two points behind. So um, it's a, a pretty incredible resurgence from Sean Dyche. And I apologize, Sean. Uh, I'm sorry I ever doubted you. You're a, you're a god. I'm sorry I never stood up for you, Sean Dyche. Right. You're, you're a god, Sean. I'm sorry you make all these like just English and Scottish mutts look like gods on the field and uh, win three nil <laughs> against teams. So I, d- I don't know how you do it, but uh, Sean the Irish God. Don't forget, don't forget the Irish. Right and the Irish. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, but just um. I don't know how he does it, but the man's incredible. I mean, he's above Arsenal and Everton in the table, and he probably spends you know one tenth of the money that those clubs do. So. Um, maybe not even that. Yeah, maybe not even not, that. So the guys uh, give the guy credit, and I, that actually leads to my bet of the week, which is uh, I think I'm going to go with a Tottenham Burnley draw at uh, plus two twenty. I kind of uh, Tottenham have been shit lately. They've got the Champions League on their hands. Um, they just you know lost in the FA Cup to Norwich. They haven't been on really good form, so um, I'm going to give uh, Burnley a little bit of an edge on this. I could even see a Burnley win, but. It's it's actually at yeah, plus one seventy. Burnley wins at plus one seventy, so it's, I think it's better odds for a draw. So that's why I'm I'm putting that in. Jose Mourinho's Tottenham are on a four game losing streak in all competitions. Not very good, no sir. I can't think of too many times that that's happened to Jose Mourinho. Uh, though I'm sure it's happened. It happened near the end at Chelsea the second time and uh, Manchester United that last time, but. This is still the first half season, basically, for him. And uh, they, they, he's pretty, pretty much laid down and turned over since those Son and uh, Harry Kane injuries uh, happened. And he's, he's just kind of given up on the season. So I, I, I don't know how you could even 
I guess, back Tottenham. It would be the wrong, <laughs> weird way to phrase it. But I, I, I don't even see how you can back Tottenham to go away to Burnley and get a point at this point. It's, it's kind of snowballing or it's beginning to snowball now. And if they lose this one at Burnley and then go away and lose at, Le- at Leipzig in midweek, like we're kind of expecting them to, then... Uh, <laughs> Then I don't. I wouldn't even know what to make of that because this Mourinho keeps pushing the narrative that there's nothing they can do until the end of the season and they'll regroup and sign new players in the summer. But they're, they've got a better position right now, and and a few weeks back in the season when, or a few months back in the season when Mourinho first came in, they had a better chance of getting Champions League than Arsenal have. And you know we're we're sitting here talking about Arsenal based off of like the trajectory of the way they're playing, maybe being back into the conversation. Meanwhile, with Tottenham, it's, it, it, we're talking about them falling off the face of the earth. So I'm, I, I don't see how anyone can even back Tottenham for a draw at this point. They fell out of the FA Cup today. And I don't know, I, I thought that might be like, it was at home against Norwich. I thought Mourinho might be able to get a win out of that and boost the team a little and maybe finish the season maybe with an FA Cup, like to kind of, satiate the Tottenham don't win trophies Alex calm them. down there calm down no I know but that's why he was brought in he's the one that wins trophies so I I thought that would have been uh, an area that he would have absolutely focused on FA Cup specifically um, and instead they lose at home on penalties to Norwich bottom of the table Norwich and Tim Krul is the savior so uh, that that's it's it's getting really rough and I mean, I, I'm just going to get, I'm, I don't think this is, I don't think this is like too out there. I'm just going to get on record and say that Jose Mourinho at Tottenham isn't going to work out. I, I think you would probably agree. I think most people would probably agree. Um, I think it's a little bit early. Let's just see what happens over the summer. I think, uh, I think coming in mid season, it's in, not okay, as fine. I'll get in there early then. Yeah. You're getting in there a little bit early, but yeah, we should, we've been talking way too much about Tottenham. He's been a good secret agent for us, Javier. He dismantled Manchester United and now he's doing the same to Tottenham. He's a, he's a good double agent. Good old Jose. Uh, yeah, let's move on to Chelsea and Everton. The first game on Sunday that's going to happen uh, before that Manchester derby we talked about a few minutes ago. Um, I'm not optimistic about this one because Everton are playing pretty well. Carlo, and... coming back to the bridge again. Well, he's not going to be in the dugout because he got a red oh, card. he did get a red that, card. That's hilarious. That game last, uh, with Manchester United last week. So uh, I, I don't know if we're still going to do some sort of like tribute to him or like a, a welcome back to the bridge i mean he's the only manager to ever win the double at chelsea so uh, he's he holds a special place in my heart i know that i uh, always appreciate him and um but yeah i i, I don't want to say i fear this everton team because i do think we can maybe get out of there with a draw on sunday but it's just not it's not a good place to be where you're you're thinking you're thinking to yourself oh maybe we could get out of this this home Premier League game against Everton with a draw, but the injuries have just gotten worse uh, since since last time we recorded. And I, I mentioned a bit earlier on the pod with Andrew that Kovacic and William went out of that Liverpool uh, FA Cup game. So now we're down to Mason Mount, Billy Gilmore, and Ross Barkley in midfield, and we're down to just Pedro in terms of healthy Don't worry, wingers, Ta- so. Everton's midfield isn't very good anyway, so I think you'll be okay there. It's but it's better since Andre Gomez came back. Yeah, he, I mean, he, he's still he coming back from injury. He definitely helps them connect everything. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I'm I've, just... I've been impressed Richarlison by and, and, and Calvert-Lewin are the two that have been, I think, you know, very, very impressive under Ancelotti, and they're going to give you a lot of problems. Um, they're just bullies. They just, they're just 
big fucking bullies and yeah, they're going to beat the shit out of your players and you're going to be really angry. There's probably going to be some yellow cards from the Everton players. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like this Everton side under Ancelotti. I think that they're really, really tough. They've completely changed, you know, how they've how this season has gone for them. And um, I think we kind of got lucky to beat them last week. So I'm, um, I think this could be a draw or, or an Everton win, like you were saying. I think Chelsea are, are Jackal and Hyde right now. I mean, you guys... You know, needed two goals from Marcus Alonso last weekend to to salvage anything from that Bournemouth game, and probably didn't deserve anything. So, um, but I think obviously you guys are having are having trouble with your finishing right now, getting some goals. Um, I think is Tammy supposed to be back? Nope, still going to be Giroud. No Tammy. Okay. Well, as long as Tammy's not back, I'm not very confident in you guys right now. So, um, and even then, he was I, I, he was kind of misfiring mid season too. So. I don't even think I think we could still be okay with Giroud as the center forward. It's it's not having I just I think any he's one just, of William he's passed it to me, or Pulisic. Giroud's been good. Yeah, William. William he's been straight up good. Yeah, he's been pretty good. He's been pretty good. Um, yeah, no Hudson Odoi or Pulisic. Pulisic just disappeared off the face of the planet. I mean, sorry for that yawn, guys. Well, he got, but yeah, Pulisic disappeared off the face of the planet there, and he got a hip injury, which is like a notoriously weird one. That, like it's it's hard to tell when someone's going to be back. So right. it's been longer than Hudson Odoi in and out of the team. I mean, maybe Loftus Cheek seems to be close to coming back. That could be a boost. I don't know if he's uh, going to be available for this game, but um, Th- that's the thing. If he's ready and he plays in this game and he actually contributes meaningfully, which I don't it would anticipate, probably be off the bench if he did. It. Right? You'd think so, but we're so threadbare at midfield right now that it, it, we might be forced into doing it. So. It's gone from a position of strength to somewhere where we're like relying on an academy graduate and a player coming back from like a year long injury, uh, maybe. So uh, we'll see how that goes. I'm actually I'm gonna double down on that with you and say that I would take Everton over Chelsea at the bridge, but both teams to score plus six fifty, probably the best value wow. you'll get of the yeah, weekend. That doesn't seem like a bad bet at all. Yeah, it seems like a pretty. Uh, I could see like a two one win like good for Everton. Odds. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's just there's too, been too much turnover in the lineup recently for me to consider. But Billy Gilgod, Alex. Billy Gilgod. I love Billy Gilmore. I'm a big fan of him. I'm sure he'll come in he and might do just well dominate if in that, this game. If that's what happens. But playing against a Liverpool kind of B team in the FA Cup in a game that Liverpool didn't really even look interested in trying to win is going to be very different than. Also, Ross seemed like he was playing with something, like something to prove. You know, I'm sure oh, that yeah, uh, Ross against Everton. I'm oh sure, my yeah, gosh, he might, maybe that's the expert. Yeah, factor. he might come in and just be like, "Fuck oh you, gosh, Everton, Ross, you pieces of shit!" Right. So I'd be so I'd be so you, happy. You got you so got a few things in there wrong. that might go your way. Yeah. Well, let's hope because uh, the, no, let's not hope. But we need Arsenal to the, keep the climbing injuries up have the been table. Rough, yeah, let's not hope. Let's not hope. You know how I feel. We Arsenal, need to be two points behind you after this weekend. It would be excellent. After you guys were like what twelve points ahead of us just a couple of months ago. Yeah, yeah, two points. That let's get there. Let's get there. Would it be two? I believe so. I think we're five points behind huh? you right now. Let me check. No, you would be five points behind us if you won your game in hand. Oh yeah, yeah, we'd be five Manchester behind you. City. Yeah, we'd be five. I'm sorry. So that's not going to happen. So all right, calm down. Right. Calm down. Yeah, yeah, I'm calming down. You still have hard down. games to go, Javier. You still have hard games to go. We do. We do. There's still a lot that needs to go our way. All right. Well, Javier, thank you for jumping on to talk Premier League with me. Thank you for hopping thank on twice, Alex. No one, no one thanks yeah. you, Alex. But you're you're always no shuffling around all. all of us. Thank you, Alex. No problem at all. I'm out here doing the dirty work. Gonna go ahead and throw this thing together and get this posted tonight. And uh, 
Hope you guys enjoy all of the Premier League games this weekend. Follow us on social media uh, at Andrew, Andrew Pissarro for Andrew's uh, Twitter and Instagram at ASMoss92 for both of my Twitter and Instagrams and uh, at JavierRev9 for Javier's Instagram account and of course at Ghost Gold Pod. And until next time, 